second episode of Raising Radicals. I am Veda, and today I will be um, telling our story. I honestly had to prepare myself this whole week just to uh, get the nerve to do this. I've always had difficulty telling my story. Uh, Trauma definitely disrupted my ability to remember timelines and dates and stuff. So like little details of what I can remember are overshadowed by like the severity of the event um, and and the fear that came with it. Or I remember every little single detail and it's so overwhelming um but either way every time I try to tell my story in a way that makes sense I get lost and it doesn't come out the way I think it's necessary for others to understand like really the gravity of what I went through um so I've laid this out to the best of my ability Warning, uh, this story includes mentions of violence, psychological abuse, rape, uh, some police force, separation, death, and neglect. Alright, here we go. Um, So I feel like to understand, I have to start at the beginning, so my childhood. I was born into a mixed family, um, a brother from another mother on my dad's side, and a sister from another mister on my mom's side. Um, I know for sure that one of my siblings uh, experienced trauma, but I only speculate that the other sibling experienced something as well, but the story was never expressed to me. Um, Yeah. So these siblings were much older than me, like a decade older. So by the time I was able to comprehend some things, uh, there was a lot of drama. So like looking back, it seems like a lot of like typical teenage rebellion, um, but there were traces of mental illness that played into a lot of what was occurring in my household. Uh, So before going any further, I want to state how important it is to be honest about generational trauma. So this is the conditioning we receive from our caregivers, and in turn, it's the conditioning that they received from theirs, and it's the conditioning that we receive from them, right? So I want to note that, like, only recently has the topic of, like, mental health and mental illness and trauma, like, these are just now truly being spoken about. A lot of people are being brave enough to come forward and tell their stories um, and and get answers you know people professionals are now finally figuring out for reals what trauma does to people um, and what actually counts as trauma anyway so for years our society did not give weight to things such as like feelings and psychology or even like development um and like who knows the term generational trauma may even be a new thing that you've never heard of like and that's okay right 
all of us are doing the best we can with what we've been taught. Um, so to continue our story, I was raised in a household where emotions, like how you felt, were not important. Um, emotions were seen as illogical, inappropriate, and not a good motivator for your actions. Um, the dynamic of the family was that the adults are to be respected completely and without question. If they perceived a problem like not agreeing or not submitting to them, or even like defending yourself was considered extremely disrespectful and, um, you know, the punishment was worsened, uh, you know, grounded for longer, more chores, whatever. Um, yeah, so now I'm assuming that this is how, you know, my parents were raised is, you know, they didn't connect with their parents emotionally, but like, I feel they connected with their parents in different ways, like, um, hobbies or learning household chores like cooking or other life skills like, uh, possibly sewing, woodworking, you know, you, you name it, something along those lines. That is how they connected, but not emotionally, right? Um, so, uh, the point is that the old school style of parenting may have worked in the past for these generations of people, but I personally don't want to carry that style of parenting on anymore. Um, and that's one reason why I'm really focusing on healing um, and trying to do better, especially because my radical requires me to. I have to do things different. <clears throat> so. Back to my siblings. Um, my older siblings were teenagers doing teenage things and my parents were busy with one in particular who would frequently run away, withdraw, get angry, um, do weird things. Um, as a younger child, for me it was really chaotic and worrisome. Um, you know, I was trying to understand why someone would want to run away from their family. Um, why someone would get so mad. It was kind of confusing. Um, my parents were also busy dealing with uh, one of their exes who consistently harassed us. Uh, I'd walk home from school and check the voicemails to see if my parents, you know, told me to do something before they came home and uh, <clears throat> there'd be voicemails left on our phone um, of this ex threatening to kidnap me to show my parents how it'd feel to lose a kid <laughs> um, and some other crazy shit that uh, it kind of left me on edge like looking over my shoulder as like an elementary school kid um, everywhere I went I'd be looking around and, and looking for signs of somebody to you know suddenly just grab me and like run away uh, it was weird um yeah, so I was an overwhelming child with really big emotions. Um, I didn't know it then, but I was very anxious most of the time. Making friends wasn't too hard, but like understanding them and keeping them felt like work. Uh, I couldn't understand why people wanted to be my friend, why anyone would like me anyway. Um, 
you know, just like stupid little kid drama and experimentation, the normal stuff that kids do only confused me worse. Um, so I mostly played with boys. They were easy to get um, for a while, you know, play kickball or Pokemon and that was that. No playing house or princesses with weird rules and expectations. I don't know. Boys were just way easier back then. Uh, so, moving on. Puberty was hell on earth for me, like it usually is for, like, everyone. Um, my siblings weren't the focus anymore since they grew up and moved out. So my freedom to go play outside was suddenly monitored. I was questioned about everything and like all I wanted to do was go eat junk food, watch the new That's So Raven episode and talk about hot celebrities at my neighbor friend's house, a house I'd been to multiple times. Um, but I was being questioned, like, the moment I hit puberty and the moment I became the focus, I was, like, inherently gonna go do something bad and stupid. Um, so that was, that was a weird transition of, of not being the focus to being the focus and being assumed as bad. Um, so the big city I lived in was getting a bit too crazy for my parents' comfort, and mine too, honestly. Uh, so we moved to a smaller city in a completely different state. I had to leave the friends I worked so hard to keep and finish middle school in a whole new place. Uh, this move was quite a shock for me. <laughs> I went from like 100% diversity to 0% pretty much. Um, it was weird. I, I went from being like one of the few white people in my school and in my neighborhood to being one of the hundreds and thousands of white people. It was so weird. I can't even explain it. <laughs> anyway, um, the weather was completely different from what I was used to. I went from like consistent hot or warm weather to actual actual four seasons with like snow and everything. Um, that was hard too because my body was not adapted and I had never been so cold in my life. Um, Unfortunately, I quickly lost contact with a lot of my friends uh, from my old state. And I think this is, no, I believe this is when my anxiety and depression started to like overwhelm me. I was very alone. Um, yeah. Throughout high school, I just like wasn't happy. Um, navigating social rules and norms was super exhausting. Um, I made dumb, selfish choices. I hurt people. I hurt myself. I wanted so bad to be truly heard by anyone. I'd cut myself because physical pain was easier to understand and to comprehend. 
uh, I got grounded and isolated for weeks to like months at a time, multiple times throughout high school. I would drink and smoke cigarettes, uh, sneak out to parties, be where I shouldn't have been. Um, and honestly, if it wasn't for those crazy fun nights, like the few times I was too drunk to care and just like let loose, then I think I would have actually killed myself. Um, because outside of that, nothing was really fun or worth it or made any sense. Uh, when I turned 18, I just wanted out. I wasn't willing to follow the, if you live under my roof, you follow my rules. I was sick of being told what to do, unable to talk without being perceived as disrespectful. I wanted freedom, so I went out to find it. <clears throat> so I moved into this girl's house who offered me a low rent for a room. I jumped at the chance and I moved in. Well, little did I know the world I just immersed myself in. The house was a party house, a trap house, if you will. Um, lots of people over all the time, lots of drinking, pot smoking, and behind closed doors, the use of other substances. Um, one day, my roommate had introduced me to a weed dealer. And then later that night, at that party house, a girl I hardly know tells me that dealer texts her asking to get my number and if I'd mind. I said whatever, gave her my number, and before I knew it, he was texting me and showing up at the house. Little did I know that this guy would literally change my life forever. So, I'm going to call this dude Samael. I think that's how you say it, Samael. Um, and I chose this name because in Jewish myth, Samael is a fallen angel, one who is both kind and cruel, a destroyer. And this name fits this person perfectly. All right. Um, before getting into this, I want to make it, I want to make my stance clear. I do not blame my parents or family for anything. Could things have been done different? Probably. Were they done different? No. So it is what it is. We all do the best we can with what we learned. Blaming people is a trap. Just remember that. Blaming others is a trap. Um, so, here we go. Here is this man flirting with me, smooth talking, seems confident, is definitely like bad boy status. Uh, he would drop by a lot trying to spend time with me. He'd ask me out on dates and I'd deny him, not because I didn't like him. I just had some other prospects. I was young and free and I enjoyed having multiple boys wanting my attention. I mean teenage girl's dream Mo I mean at least back then anyway uh, so this one though he made sure he was present so he wouldn't be ignored this was probably the first red flag but seriously how was I supposed to know um, romantic movies 
taught me that boys pursuing you was normal and a sweet flirting gesture. And so I never told him to stop, right? Uh, the next red flag was when he told me he thinks he loves me shortly after we made it official. Uh, at the time I thought it was too soon and I didn't say it back right away and he ended up acting embarrassed and like after we parted he didn't respond to messages from me for the rest of the day like he totally stonewalled me um, so throughout this period some girls who would usually hang out at the house started warning me about him They'd say to, like, be careful that he had flirted with them not long before he met me, that he had a reputation for being a heartbreaker. Um, all of this sounded so cliche and just jealous that I couldn't believe it. it was like, why tell me after this... Sorry, why tell me this after we became a thing? <laughs> why not tell me before it got more serious? Uh, then to compound my mistrust of these comments, my roommate told me one of her friends from a different city would be moving in. What wasn't told was that this girl was moving in to get help withdrawing from heroin. So when Samael discovered this, he told me about it, and then he invited me to move in with him. He warned me that if I stayed, that the whole house would soon be addicted and that I wanted no part of that. I honestly agreed. Um, I wanted absolutely no part of that. Um, I didn't want to go back home. And so I, uh, I moved in with him. I chose, I chose to not be uncomfortable around people having those experiences. And so I chose to move in with a man I did not know very well. Welcome to 18. You are not a grown-up at 18. <laughs> you don't know shit at 18. Um, anyway, so I moved in with him, and like he predicted, everyone that frequented that house or who had lived there all succumbed to opiate addiction. It, uh... It's somewhat surprising and somewhat not surprising, but all around, it's very sad. And I'm glad that I made the choice to leave, even though I fell right into a trap. Um, because at the time, I felt like he had helped me. You know, he warned me. But in hindsight, I see that this was the easiest way to isolate me without me knowing. Samael had just come home from overseas. Uh, he had a separate living space on his family's property that was a little ways out of town. Um, and I wouldn't know until later that moving here was literally the entrance of hell. I found it, you guys, and it was living in this place. Uh, so... Domestic violence doesn't start out violent. It is so covert and sneaky that you can't really tell what's happening. At least not if, like, if you're not trained or taught about it. Um, so, first it was moving in. 
Then I realized he didn't like any of my friends and would be so weird and like undercutting around them that they wouldn't come around. But his friends were around frequently. Um, so they became my friends. Those were the people I was allowed to be friends with. Um, his family seemed really kind and welcoming at first, but then they started changing too the longer I was there. It was trippy, you guys. It was really weird, like, to go into a family that you don't know and they present themselves as one thing, but then all of their masks start falling off. It's like a horror movie. Um, so, anyway, uh, he would tell me, like, you work too hard. Uh, you know, I'll take care of you. Um, and he, and he'd, he'd want me to quit my job. And if I didn't want to, he'd stud, like, suddenly start showing up or calling a lot and just eventually harassing me enough to, to quit somehow. Of course, I didn't see it as being harassed. Um, I just thought, here's this man who really, really wants to, you know, spoil me and take care of me. And why would I not, you know, at least take that time? Dumb. I would... Dumb. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had no idea what was happening for a really long time. The way I perceived him was exactly the way he wanted me to. Um... At one point, he introduced me to psychedelic drugs, um, and I enjoyed my experiences on them. I loved the pretty colors and, you know, the, the things that I experienced. Um, and, and when we were on these, um, he was always so kind and so gentle and funny and loving, um, but I've now realized that he did this to brainwash me into seeing him as these things. It was really sinister and, uh, and, and insidious, and, I, and, and it's still troubling for me to think about. So, trauma messes with many different aspects of the brain, including memory. Um, because of this... I'm unable to remember every event where he had abused me in some way. Like, I remember when he hit me in the face while throwing a plate and then pushing me into the couch while choking me. But I don't know what we were arguing about beforehand. And I remember the fight we had where he came home high on heroin after calling him out for being a liar, uh, he kneed me in the stomach, then threw my head into the wall and kicked me repeatedly. Um, and this fight ended with a gun in my child and mine's face uh, being threatened uh, to be killed. Uh, I literally have stared up the barrel of a gun with a psycho at the end of it threatening to shoot me and my tiny human. Um, but I don't remember all the times that he raped me. I can only remember the pain he caused and the shame he made me feel. 
I can't remember all the gaslighting lies he told me or how many nights he wouldn't let me sleep because he was uh, strung out and just wanted to scream at me and intimidate me and sleep deprive me. Um, I, I can't remember all the times he did. I just know that he did because I feel the effects of it. So after about a year full of drama, I ended up pregnant, and for weeks he played this game of get an abortion, don't get an abortion. Um, I felt like I couldn't be attached or excited because I didn't know what was going to happen. I felt that if I got excited and he saw that he would force me to have an abortion and that would have sucked. Um, but I was also terrified to be attached to this life inside of me because at this point I had started to realize the hell I was in and I didn't know if bringing a baby into that was the good choice and if I got an abortion would he kill me because I made the choice for him. Um, yeah, I mean, to keep the baby made me feel trapped because I'd be forever tied to him and a young mom at 19. Um, but then to abort the baby could piss him off and I get hurt for, you know, doing something without his permission. You know, since hindsight is twenty twenty, I realized uh, he changed his mind so much for so long because he wanted me to have the baby and be stuck with him. Um, I only recently learned that this was reproductive ab abuse. Um, yeah, that was a hard thing to comprehend. Um, so shortly after he decided to keep the baby, he started uh, using opiates and ended up in jail a couple times. Uh, Samael on heroin was worse than a sober Samael. I believe that because of his ADHD, the opiates acted as an upper, acted as an upper for him instead of a depressant. Um, he was extremely and aggressively hyper with pinpointed eyes that terrified me. He stopped sleeping and would leave the house for hours at a time while completely ignoring my calls and messages. Um, and my pregnancy was very lonely and stressful. I had to work again so I could keep a roof over our heads, which was a struggle since he would come into the store I was working at, high and making a scene. He'd berate me about spending money to get lunch, uh, but also beat up a guy who ate my last packet of oatmeal at home. Uh, luckily, he didn't physically hurt me or my baby, but he made life so stressful for me, I was c consistently worried I'd miscarry. Um, his family would interrogate me about him and blame me for his wrongdoings. I was always stuck in between them, like walking on eggshells, trying to determine what the right thing to say really was. Like, if it was negative towards Samael, then I needed to be more loyal to him. But if I refused to say anything, 
or I lied to them, then I was disrespectful to them and everything that they've done for me. Um, side note, living and dealing with this family was like having five abusers instead of only one. Um, I was always doing something wrong. They'd gaslight me about the things they witnessed Samael do to me. Uh, they, the males of the house were frequently physically assaulting each other and uh, the female was so brainwashed and stressed from years of abuse from the four of them that she too became conniving and manipulative in covert, innocent looking ways. Um, Samael was back in jail a week or two before my due date. Um, and it was his last strike with his probation officer. Uh, I started preparing myself for giving birth alone. And my parents asking why I'm with a man who's missing his child's birth. And just doing this whole mom thing alone. Uh, he somehow got let out the afternoon before I went into labor. My water broke really early in the morning, and uh, like middle of the night status. Uh, we went to the hospital about an hour and a half in <clears throat> because my back was hurting too much for me to bear. Once I got the epidural, my labor was easy. I only pushed for 18 minutes and my baby came out without complications. I thoroughly believe that I was blessed with an easy labor because God knew my body was not able to handle anything more and because this was going to be the start of my next chapter in hell. Uh, my baby was finally here and I was so excited, scared shitless, but excited. I finally had someone for me on my side. I did everything I could to start her outright, breastfeeding, homemade baby food with organic ingredients, homemade hemp milk, tummy time, reading stories, calming music, like literally anything I could. I wanted her to have this safe haven because the rest of the world was so chaotic and scary. Um, I did what a mother is supposed to do, you know, go without so my baby can have it all. Uh, my baby was very active from the beginning. The moment she was mobile, she didn't want to cuddle or be carried around. She was happy, curious, and very independent until Samael got so bad it was difficult to hide it from her. He would rage at me when she was present. He would attempt to pick her up and take her during an argument, and I would try to stop him. At the moment, it seemed right, the lesser of two evils. I would uh, sense that he was going to start in on me, so I would put her in her safe, soft room and lock it with those uh, doorknob cover things uh, so she wouldn't see what was going to happen to me. I can't imagine her fear of hearing me fight him alone in isolation and not having the words to understand what was happening. 
pardon me. Um, I believe this is the reason she absolutely adores um, her stuffed animals to this day. Those were her comforters during those times. So if he wasn't home high and picking fights, he was gone for hours or days at a time. And those were my favorite, even though I was stressed out about wherever he was. Um, I didn't have to deal with him, and I got to spend time with my baby all by myself. And that was the best. Um, then he suddenly started having friends over a lot. Uh, my babe and I spent most of our time in other areas of the house, mostly because if I wasn't polite or generous to these friends, I'd hear about it later. Um, how dare I not offer every ounce of food in our fridge to these five grown men that you've invited over to the house? Uh, you know, because we don't have a baby to eat or to feed or anything. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so Samael started to get even more frightening. He laughingly told me how he pretended to rob one of his friends by sticking a gun in his face and telling him he wouldn't make it home tonight. He was so amused that this guy cried. Uh, during this time... Samael got arrested for a crime, and by default, so did I. Uh, my baby witnessed large men with large guns berating me and calling me names like junkie whore and worthless bitch. Uh, these men putting me in the back of a car and taking me away. And CPS forbid me to call or see her while she stayed at Samael's parents. I fought like hell to get my baby back, proving that I am a fit mother. It took two weeks of doing what I was told, peeing in a cup and harassing the CPS lady, but I got my baby back. And she was notably more fussy and clingy. <sighs> I had had it with Samael, something in me broke. I felt braver or desperate. I'm not sure which. I told him if I even think he's fucking up, that we would leave. And I wasn't losing my child again. A few months of a lot of drama later, he started acting high again. My last straw was when her daycare called me at work, saying he didn't pick her up. I left work, went home to find her hanging limply in his arms, disassociated as he is trying to attack our current roommate. I get her, grab what I can, pack my car and her, and leave. He let me leave, but it was a ploy. He didn't think I was serious. He'd thought he could lure us back. But with a harsh, truthful statement, my mom reminded me that I left to save my baby. 
and I thank her every day for that harsh statement because it snapped me out of his abusive trance and brought me into real life. Um, his hold wasn't completely broken, but it was severed. When he realized I wasn't coming back and I was ready to fight, he started grasping for any kind of hold. He stalked me, harassed uh, people, and recruited others to check on me. Uh, he slandered me uh, and even pretended to commit suicide. He drugged me to court to get the restraining order dropped, but luckily the, jo the judge wouldn't have any of his lies and kept it in place. I also thank her more than anything. His family would call the authorities late at night to do wellness checks on my babies, uh, try to come to my home or approach me in public. Then suddenly, one day in spring of 2015, two officers came to my door. I'm holding on to my baby for dear life, not trusting what's happening. They told me I want to give her to my dad and have a seat. I opened my mouth to refuse, but my dad reached for her and told me that it's okay. He knew before I did. These officers were here to tell me that Samael was dead as of earlier that day. I'm, I'm positive it was at this exact moment my mind completely broke. Every trauma experience I have ever endured in life surged through my mind and drove me to insanity. I suffered from nightmares, flashbacks, sobbing fits, absolute rage, severe depression, and debilitating anxiety. I became a shell of a person, and suddenly being a mother was impossible for me. My baby lost her mom to mental illness for a couple years. I don't remember her being little and growing up. I'm thankful I have pictures to look back on because I don't have the memories. Sorry. So this leads us to here and now. No, sorry. Shortly after leaving, we were blessed with a man who was raised in love. Daddy is the reason we know what love is. He has stuck with us through all of our healing and our craziness, showing us that we are worth it. He was there for my baby when I couldn't be, and I'm eternally grateful for him. Uh, we got the diagnosis of RAD, Reactive Attachment Disorder, uh, one year ago, and it has been difficult to navigate. 
We are figuring it out one moment at a time. Having a radical has been a major growing experience for me. Her and I trying to heal and I never know if I'm doing anything right. Despite all the behaviors we face with her, she was worth all that I experienced, all I endured, and I'd do it all again if I had to. So, that is as clear of a story as I've ever told. I apologize if I'm hard to understand at moments. Um, I thank you all for listening and taking the time to hear me. And even if nobody does hear this, I at least got it out, and that's most important. Um, the next episode, which I will hopefully have out a week from now, will be um, about getting and understanding the diagnosis of reactive attachment disorder. And I am just so thankful that I have this platform to try to build a community and reach out and find people who, who need to hear this or want to hear this. And thank you. I hope everyone has an absolute wonderful day. See you next time.